Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. Uh, we're back after a brief hiatus. Um, we were unable to uh, edit episodes, so uh, we ended up recording none. Um, it's been about a month since we've uh, been in your ears. Um, but it's the same same three all over again. I'm joined by uh, Luke Perry. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm very well, yes. It's been a shame about the hiatus, but uh, necessary. It just proves that uh, we're, we, we don't quite yet have the courage to... Um, churn our voices out to a live audience yet not yet no these are these are very heavily edited um mario how, how are you sir yeah i'm well how are you very well mario we'll, we'll, we'll jump in and, and sort of think about what we've missed over the last couple of weeks i think the, the the biggest recurring story that we've seen in our absence was um elon musk just improving twitter in every, every tangible way um from you know bringing reviving from the dead you know a series of you know accounts who you know uh cross the spice barrier of the old regime to eliminating you know child exploitation on the platform and just you know um just banning annoying people it's uh, it's, it's, it's quite it's quite fun to see actually um so you, you've been um talking about a lot of Brittany mario what do you what do you make of musk's uh early run well um I mean, I don't want to catalogue the entire thing from start to finish because I'm, that's been relitigated by many people over the course of these past few weeks. So what I'll raise is, and perhaps we can, you know, feed back to some interesting points, but what really caught my attention was Musk's decision, executive decision, to ban a Twitter account whose primary purpose was to provide live updates of the location of his private jet. And it would appear, uh, despite Musk asking politely, despite him offering the owner of the account a Tesla, you know, not for love nor money would this person cease providing updates on Elon's jet location. So this appears, and I say appears, to have come to a head in a recent incident where a stalker waited at the airport and leapt onto the hood of a car containing Elon's child. Subsequent to that, Elon ex uh, took the executive decision to ban this account. And a lot of people are saying, well, this is a retrospective ban. You imposed the rule and then retroactively enforced it. And in a way, Elon's saying, yeah, what are you going to do about it? It's a private company. And I really enjoyed that. I totally, really enjoyed it because it's some extra judicial justice. Mm. Uh, there aren't any uh, pesky lawyers or do-gooders or appeal systems that can intervene and pervert the course of justice. This is just simple, plain old justice. Mm. And the very excuse that these people have been hiding behind for so long um, has transpired to be their undoing. Mm. And it was bold, it was brave, it was the right thing to do. And it's um, it's a signpost for Elon's vision, his management style. And um, it I think it marks a break, a clean break from his early attempts to assuage and appeal to NGOs and do-gooders and the usual suspects. And now he's just saying, look, um, get off, get out of here. We're finished with you people. We're not playing games anymore. I think it's a very good example of the, the, 
the counter elite, you know, um, you know, as Luke and I have discussed me you know, a, a thousand and one times, nothing is truly bottom up. Everything, everything is top down. And, and, and that's how change will come about, not through, you know, us blockading the strand, you know, with bit, all bits of furniture and singing, you know, songs from Les Mis. It's going to be from counter elites who use their position to muscle their way in and make the, make the changes that, that we want to see. Um, you know, I don't think Luke and I have been, been populist for a couple of years now. You know, we, we, we um, you know, 2020 kind of shattered that. So now the way forward is through counter elites. Yeah, Musk uh, has been unhappy with the Twitter situation for a long time. I wouldn't say Musk has ever been a populist or a political radical. I really don't think he cares what's happening in Washington, apart from the, uh, the electric car regulations or space travel or whatnot. But he's clearly he's in favour of free speech. And he's sort of in the liberal paradigm of, you know, we should keep things as free and liberal as possible. And that's, of course, upset the right people. And I know a lot of accounts have been added back, Andrew Tate being one, uh, Dr. Um, McCullough and Dr. Malone, and sort of the two lockdown stroke vaccine sceptics being another. But also, of course, he's changed his pronouns to prosecute Fauci. And that was a, a um, it's his own belief, I'm sure, but it was a coordinated grenade attack just to write the right headlines. And um, you can see how the sort of the counter elite has pushed in the purchasing of Twitter. And now the elite is responding. Hmm. And how far is it going to go? And Elon, was- Musk, Elon Musk put up a tweet saying, follow the white rabbit. And that, that's why you see, you know, calls from the White House to uh, censor Twitter as they have now lost that power, as the Twitter files have proven. The, uh, someone in the EU commission, I think, said that, uh, oh, Elon Musk can have to buy EU rules. You know, we'll, we'll see how uh, far Elon Musk will comply. Exactly. And so now we just have this head down of like when Trump won the presidency, they're going to arm twist Elon trying to give him up this power. See, that's the thing, though, is that, that the, the response we've seen has actually been very tepid. It's been, you know, uh, you know, foot stomping and threatening, but really nothing of any actual value, um, which galvanizes us, you know, because, um, you know, for, for in those sort of, you know, um, years in the hinterland where we were effectively powerless, you know, um, there was no one with a net worth above, you know, £100,000, you know, advocating for our positions. Um, and now, you know, I mean, obviously it's it's more of a Venn diagram than an actual, you know, he's our guy type thing. Um but it's it's. it's I think with, with Elon, you, you take some things and you, you leave some things. It's like I'm not really in favour of electric cars. I'm certainly not in favour of um, computer chips in people's brains. But free speech on social media, which is the new public square. I mean, we were banned from leaving our homes not two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, and and it's um. I would go as far as to, as to compare it to something like uh, DeSantis in Florida, who you know has assumed control over a, over a small patch of land and used that control to you know go head to head, and you, you kind of get like a like a sort of um, a, a hallmark movie bullying scene with these sort of things where once you actually stand up in a real aggressive sense, you tend to get left alone. You know, um, I, go on. I really think. He is our guy. And I think he's our guy in this sense. That... Sorry, do you mean do you mean Musk or, or Santos? 
Musk. Um, I think Musk is more our guy than DeSantis is, frankly. Mm-hmm. And he describes himself as a centrist, Musk. And he's doing it sincerely. That uh, descriptor is as sincere as it is accurate. Because he's not tuned in to politics at the same uh, frequency that the rest of us are. But he's quickly discovering, you know, with the ADL and other organizations attempting to flex their muscles, uh, to force um, to 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 launch an advertisement boycott. That There were um, talks of him not being allowed on the App Store with the Twitter app. He's quickly seeing um the power levels of you know elite global forces in a way that he's probably been insulated from being consumed uh, by his businesses for 80 90 100 hours a week so when he says he's a centrist he's talking about being a centrist from 1998 you know um and so many of his views would be unfairly categorized by you know, fake news and fake media as hard right or far right. That's why he put a a, a rabbit emoji on Twitter and they said, dangerous far right conspiracy theory. You know, actually, rabbits are perfectly centrist in in the uh, correct paradigm. Rabbits are very centrist, not far right conspiracy theories. Um, And so many of his views are what are unfairly and wrongly categorized as far right, but what actually the majority of people consider to be centrist and sensible, which is which is, you know, yeah, and you know the the what's known as the far right was you know perfectly normal politics you know several decades ago. What is considered ago. the the centrist is the NPC meme where they've got all the symbols of the regime, the Ukrainian flag, all of it. Mm. Well, look, and that's look at... that's the world that these people live within. That they live on the you know, a Twitter feed where you know everyone has these ideas, and there can't be anyone due to false consensus bias that would have anything that uh, says what I oppose. Ed Miliband in twenty fifteen would be called far right by Ed Miliband in twenty twenty two, based on his migration policies. One yeah, of the uh, benefits from migrant. Yeah. Sorry. The, the slab behind him. Yeah, he literally um, gave religious reverence to the idea of cutting benefits for migrants. He carved it into stone. I mean, that, to be honest, that's more right-wing than me. I wouldn't go that far as far-right Ed Miliband. But, you know, that obviously has a place in the discourse. But, you know, Christopher Hitchens, if you look about what he said about Islam, about, you know, you say things like the barbarians at the gate... Uh, if you look at what he said about women, you know, when he was the editor of Vanity Fair, women aren't funny. That was one of his very famous, uh, unless... Or even his, his pod moves against, you know, the Clintons or, um, you know, or Kissinger, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he said women weren't funny unless they were, quote, uh, lesbians, butch, dykes or Jewish. Uh, that's a paraphrase. Um, and he said those were all forms of emulating male humour in any instance. So... This was considered left liberal, having fun, you know, being edgy, uh, t- um, you know, t- just over a decade ago. Those views are now considered far right. And what's now considered left is something that didn't exist until a decade ago, uh, which is things about um, slicing off uh, genitals. Yeah. I mean, that used to be um, something ISIS did. Now, yeah. now it's... Um, or even just like being like effectively pro-crime. 
Yeah, you're just in. Yeah, d d uh, close all the prisons, well, defund the police. Uh, well, just being a, uh, being a, a complete fifth colonist. Oh, we have no history. Turf out the statues. Yeah, yeah graffiti yeah, yeah, the yeah. cenotaph. Yeah, I mean, like like uh, an apparatchik of the British Communist Party in 1983 wouldn't even dare go into that into that ballpark. Well, no, I mean, Labour are pro um, are anti coal mine now. That's the official right. Labour Party position. They're against miners. They're the anti miner party. So the left, um, as it used to exist, I mean, doesn't really, I mean, Starmerism is its sort of cl closest identified, but I mean, in the cultural space, in the, in the, um, what do you call it, the academy, amongst the thought leaders, the NGOs, <clears throat> leftism is just, um, it's 90% it's about trans, 5% about gay rights and associated things, and then 5% about um, right. destroying civilization racism and destroying civilization which is really what trans is symbolically also like the the, the first wave of like eurosceptics were all leftists yes i mean the tories took us into the european union yeah, yeah i mean for for you know, for for free trade purposes right um exactly. Exactly. But this segues really nicely into i think one of the most interesting um events to happen on the on, on the sort of the artists formerly known as the political right uh, at least the the e right is this sort of push towards now being relabeled as the sensible center. Um, I think it's a stroke of genius. I think um, to to borrow from uh, AA's uh, methodology and use wrestling parlance, this is a face turn. Um, this is you know this is a uh, turning from a a villain boogeyman to a hero. You know the plucky underdog hero who's gonna you know restore order. Um, it's absolutely true. I mean um, you know. Uh, any plebiscite on mass immigration would go in favour of curbing it. I have written an article about this, and it may well be published by the time people are hearing this. And that's one of the points I raised. Um, if you look at the migration issue, um, you know, 77% of people say illegal migration is a problem. The number who say it's not is something like 4%, because there's always 10% don't knows of people who were just not tuned into society. Yeah, yeah, all of like neutral options. and Yeah, I mean, you can't really get higher than 77% on an issue. It just doesn't go any higher. Yeah, I, um, you know, I saw on like a pendulum graph from strongly agree, strongly disagree, the most, the most, not the majority, but the most popular option is strongly disagree with, you know, um, statement is mass immigration a good thing yeah there's been no poll ever conducted in this country that um shows people wanting more migration and and in either plurality or majority preferring migration to opposing it never happened i've been, i've looked at polls when i wrote my dissertation i looked at polls throughout the entire 20th century never found one i've never seen one since um and also there's this magic number that comes up that i cited uh ron DeSantis won the election in florida with 59 percent of the vote uh, 59 of British people, 59% of British people want immigration reduced. And I think about 59% of Labour Party members voted for Tony Blair in 1994. So there is this, you know, 59% number, which is bordering on supermajority, where people support our views, um, with exceptions like abortion, on, on every level. For example, the death penalty for terrorists, paedophiles and serial killers. Or the murderers of policemen and other important officials um views which are considered hard right massively reducing immigration the death penalty in limited instances um 
uh, and you know various welfare and tax policies and so on are are supported by super majorities in this country. Mm. That so they are that that by definition makes them centrist, does it not? Yeah, no, and and I think <clears throat> that's the problem where there's been some pushback on the right by people who are so wedded to the idea of being some you know esoteric dissident that they have just that the idea of them actually having popular appeal is almost quite like revolting to them. Yeah. And like, and when it first started happening, I was, you know, my gut being initially was like, yeah, this is a good thing. And I sort of probed into why. And then I just came back to inevitably, I don't want to be a dissident forever. I want to win. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, you know, keep, you know, writing verbosely written articles while you know, all around is on fire. So there I, is I, the I, other thing. If you're in a uh, polite company and in, in polite conversation with, uh, you know, normie uh, individuals and they say, well, what, you know, what do you think about, how would you classify yourself? What do you think of yourself? D- don't say dissident. You, know, you can't say dissident right because, <clears throat> you know, people have particular assumptions about that. I mean, uh, it makes you sound like you're, you're, it makes you sound like you're rebellious for the sake of it. Yeah, right. All that, right. all that, all that somewhere in your kitchen is a Semtex laboratory. Right, exactly. Uh, like you've got the anarchist cookbook and you've got <laughs> yeah. TNT in the, in the boot of your car. You just say, "I'm a centrist. I'm a centrist," and then all of your views that you then later go on to um, pronounce upon are centrist views because you're a centrist. Mm. So, you know, I'm a moderate centrist. Um, I don't think we can handle. Uh, half a million net migration a year it's an unprecedented number historically and we need to have a century-long moratorium on zero immigration net we need net zero immigration for 20 years the real net zero yeah yeah we need true net zero i I support net zero i'm a centrist i'm in favor of net zero uh you know i'm worried about our public services and so on so it's not just correct but it's also optically and tactically the superior far superior uh, avenue to go down yeah, and I also can't see why you would um, self-cut yourself away from what's called acceptable, because that's right. all the Overton window is. It's a societal weapon to keep the undesirable out and the desirables in. Yeah, it's the way by which language and thereby thinking is yeah. uh, preemptively... Uh... Like we've all had this in, in our brief political lives where we, we've said something and someone goes to the tune of it. You, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as though, I mean, this isn't, I'm not particularly well versed on my Reformation history, but, you know, when Martin Luther broke away from Catholicism and and founded Protestantism, he didn't call himself a heretic or a Satanist, did he? He didn't say, but he said, what are your views about religion? Well, I'm a heretic. I'm a Satanist. I'm a, he said, no, I'm a Protestant, you know, or whatever, or or something else. He, He called himself more Christian than the Pope. Did he? Okay, well there you go. It it speaks to something as well, which is, you know, um it's the, the, the act of divorcing yourself from ideology. Um if you say, Oh, I'm a dissident or I'm a traditionist or I'm a conservative or I'm a reactionary, then you end up in this line of thinking where, you know, something happens, you know, well what what does you know the traditionalist doctrine say about this? You know, what what does Evelyn make of this? Therefore, what do I make of this? You know, I think it's 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 you know. I think each of us would be lying so that our views were profoundly influenced by these aesthetic thinkers rather than, you know, we just looked around the world, saw the state of it, didn't like it, and thought, you know, no, it can be done better. Yeah, and, and, and it can be done more sensibly. Um, 
which, which you know is 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 really really the, really the, the key to it is just saying you know um is it just admitting and accepting that you have mass support yeah it's just all part of being human as well when a new event happens you mold your pre-existing ideas either around it or find new ways to explain it explain it and move on it's it's like when lockdown you see all these memes where it goes like my politics in in 2016 and they're, they're all cute and cuddly they're wearing a MAGA hat and my politics now and they're just wearing full military camouflage gear yeah, like that's really lame as well and yeah like... that, that, that 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 is lame and it, it shows that you can't position yourself into this box because it, it entraps you mm. when i was in university one of the, the modules we were forced to learn in first year was um geopolitics basically and each it went on for eight weeks and each week had the own its own ideology we were looking at so we'd look at the ideology of realism which for all intents and purposes um countries care about power and so throughout the textbook and the seminar sessions we would look at events that took place over the the last 34 years we would see so how would a realist describe this how would a postmodernist describe this how would someone of the feminist scholar school apply mm. this mm. and uh, i remember watching a video in the seminar that just sort of blew the rug over this whole fraudulent operation it says well it's like theories are like sunglasses if you put on a particular pair of sunglasses you would see the world in this way so essentially what it is ideology is um psychologically induced but also like and, that, uh, that, that sounds the whole thing with the sunglasses sounds almost like psychosomatic where you know if you, yeah if you put sunglasses with an orange tint to them a tree won't become a, a, a labrador you know it's still a tree it just, it'll just have a slightly different hue it's ideologies are th forcing the world to conform to their own pre-existing rather than the other way around yeah it's it, again it's just a it's a post-hoc justification of power that's all it is and like yeah, and to preface it prefaces, i i do disagree with jordan peterson's latest push against you know, anonymity but i do see what happened to the twitter accounts who become so just warped by the notion of them being some you know some extremist dissidents and it just turns them into these people the, 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 so they're terminally online yeah they're they, very, they've lost touch they're uncool they're unlikable they're anti-social they're bad at being social and 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 that's not what's gonna, that's not what's gonna drive things forward i mean like the three of us you know um to those, those listening we, we we routinely uh meet without recording and one thing that we've all sort of come to in the, in the last few months is you know the simple fact of this is that if any movement is going to succeed it's going to need to be cool and likable and and and, you know, and and nice to look at you know and, and photogenic you know, it needs to be all of those things and, and that and that's ultimately what you know blair and obama understood you know in the early years they were cool right and, and that's what propelled them forward if you're just you know if you're just in a dimly lit room all day just like you know spamming in the discord chat you know and, and you know citing evola without truly understanding it then you, you, you you're not going to get anywhere yeah you, really impressed you're going to get cabin fever you're going to have poor eyesight this has to be look like a wojack yeah amongst the first principles where um i mean it's inevitable that a move well here's the thing since the dis the sensible center has been calling itself the dissident right for so long it's it's essentially uh boxed itself into a corner 
and become dissident and thereby attracted people who associate uh, with uh, the idea of being a dissident with uh, people who play Yu-Gi-Oh, live in their basement and have a lifetime membership to the Flat Earth Society. And there's far too many of those kinds of people. And that's self-realization or self-actualization as a consequence of being falsely as uh, actualizing yourself using your enemy's grammar, that is to say, the sensible center misidentifying itself as a dissident right. So that has to be rectified immediately. And all Yu-Gi-Oh cards must be confiscated and all memberships to the Flat Earth Society cancelled. That's the first principle. After that, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to have, we have to be led by James Dean and Clint Eastwood and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn. There's Steve uh, McQueen in there. Steve McQueen. Any F1 driver before 1999. I'm even letting Henry Cavill in. Henry Cavill. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 Chris Hunt, right? Richard um, E. Grant. Um, yeah, uh, those guys. Uh, we need people who are cool, um, who look right, who sound right, and write well. Sorry. Write well. Right, exactly, and in, obviously intelligent, obviously intelligent people, and and high verbal IQ. Yeah, that's that's the. I mean, and Jordan Peterson was many of those things until he became uh, until he got addicted to drugs, frankly, which has been a great shame. But the, the reason he was so popular is because he absolutely um, he really fitted that bill. Maybe more of like a George Clooney than a James Dean, but he was certainly, um, you know, you look at somebody like Scruton, um, who was. Yeah, clearly an intelligent guy. I mean, I, I nicked a quote from him today uh, in my word, para, nicked a paraphrase of him today. But he was never, he's not somebody that you look at and get particularly inspired by. You want to follow him. You don't want to listen to, you don't, you know, he never, very, he was never going to have a. He was very gentle. Yeah, too gentle, uh, um, too, you know, um, pondering and ploddish and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, when Jordan Peterson burst onto the scene, you have this guy who's, I think we said this in a conversation previously, he's in his uh, red braces with his sleeves rolled up, um, smashing the communists on campus verbally with his 500... He's ready, ready to fight anyone. Exactly. He's going to knock people out. He's got 586 verbal IQ. Hangs uh, out just... stadiums. Yeah. I'm in, in that interview with um, Kathy Newman where he says, gotcha. If yeah, he, yeah. He, thing is if he the one thing about peterson is his voice if he had like a like a baritone leathery voice gotcha like that it it would it, it would have been 15 times as effective yeah if he was also Cause, Welsh, cause, but... cause as well as being devastating to her it would have been like this is a weird way we would use but sexy yeah 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 um so yeah, if he was Orson Welles, it would have been it would have been even better. I mean, if he was John Wayne, it would have been even better than that. Um, and you know, I, I think John Wayne's actually that's a good example that we overlooked. You know, somebody like a, a John Wayne, but you know, in keeping with our zeitgeist. Mm. Um, and so that's that's really up there with first principles. I mean, it can't be. It, I mean, it won't be Richard Tice. It just won't be Richard Tice. It won't be. Boring. Lawrence Fox. It won't. It won't be anyone from that milieu, and that's because they're lame, frankly. They're uncool. 
Yeah, they're not cool. They're they're anti cool. They they I mean, and they think they're cool as well, which makes them even more. Uncool. They're anti cool, sort of on purpose. That they're trying to be um, too cushy with wider events that 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 surround them. So the first thing an event would come in, and one of their secretaries would be, okay, here's the things you shouldn't say to the TV cameras. Yeah, that, that sort of reminds me of these movements. So to, to anyone listening, yeah, just just to clue you in, the three of us have become obsessed with the notion of of coolness. We 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 have a an ongoing list of cool men that we look up to. Are there any women on the list? Very, very few are alive today. Yeah, no, virtually none alive today. And I was thinking that recently, right, about the whole um, you know, the whole like boomer truth thing, and how like soon there won't be anyone alive who wasn't educated under boomer truth. Boomer truth. Yeah, it's it's AA's model of of like the post-war liberal world, right? Gotcha. Post-war progress, but basically just post-war progressivism. Um, you know, uh, with, with you know, like sort of someone like Church or the or John Lennon in its pantheon. So, just to give some uh, examples, uh, Giorgio Maloney is cool. Maloney's really cool. Um, and I mean, she fits the bill in every way. Fantastic orator, uh, looks good, uh, sounds good, and is really, really smart. Uh, you know, you look at Marine Le Pen, uh, very similar, except she's not smart enough. She's mm. just, frankly, she's not smart enough. And M- Macron is smarter than Le Pen. Um, Sunak is uncool because he's short. Uh, yeah. Bibi because he's fat. Um, Biden because he's got dementia. And also, yeah. he isn't in charge of his own government. No, Biden's cool. Biden's cool. Biden's not cool. Yeah, Biden is cool. Have you ever seen, Bi- have you seen a picture of Biden eating an ice cream and, and uh, revealing the, the green lines and he's leaning into the ice cream? Yeah, that's cool. That's <laughs> cool. Look, um, Biden Biden that we see, when we see that uh, zoomed-in, pixelated Biden where we see all of his faults on Twitter, where only the worst moments of him are shared in our circles. And we've got to realise Biden will give a... A 20 minute speech and we will see the four second excerpt where he stuttered and slipped uh the biden that people see on cnn is quite cool he drives you know a, a mustang or something and he rolls up and he says and he'll and um uh, look obviously he's cringe and gay but, okay, but, but like, like is cool a matter of affectation like if he's if he's caught off guard if he hasn't had his nap that day and he just make you know he just makes some just stupid gaffe like he's done about a thousand times since becoming president. That's not cool. No, he is cool because he had loads of plastic surgery. That's cool. Uh, if you look <laughs> at him, cool. it's very cool. If you look at him in, if you look at him, we try to say Mario when this... he was vice president, right? And he looked like he was on death's door. Now he looks like he's fifty years old. So <laughs> very cool. He wears aviator sunglasses. Very cool. He drives sports cars. Uh, he used to be a lifeguard. Very cool. What? What? what in the nineteen fifties? Yeah, don't you remember when he had a fight with Cornpot? <laughs> this is no, no. no I, I'm vetoing this. Also, this is thoroughly unenjoyable to anyone listening. Just us saying, us arguing if Joe Biden's cool or not. He's not cool. Also, it's two to one. Uh, Mario, you're the only one here with a, with a slight tinge of democracy in your in your worldview, so you lose this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, democracy is profoundly uncool. Yeah, but going back to the ultimate theme of it is effectively relinquishing this baggage of being like the designated bad guy, you know, and saying, you know, you know what, like we have, we have, we have probably have more of a 
mandate from the people and anyone who's actually in charge. Be that culturally, politically, industrially, economically, anything. Yeah, even on economics, our views are the most popular. You know why? No. Do you care about this country? Because we're cool. True. There is that. That's cool. it. And uh, I think we'll I think we'll leave on that note. Uh, just to remind everyone listening, uh, be cool, be handsome, be be good at writing, and you will win, surely. Any uh, any final remarks, Chaps? I think that sums it up nicely. Luke? Uh, keep calm and uh, be cool. <laughs> keep cool and carry on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for listening, if you have. Um, and uh, we'll hope to see you again next week. Cheers.